everybody. Today we're going to talk about a very important subject. Worldwide, people are concerned about their pets and the presence of fleas and ticks and other parasites. It is truly a worldwide problem. The difficulty is, in recent years, some very new, exciting flea and tick preventive products and heartworm uh, disease prevention products have come on the market with huge advertising budgets. And these products are um, basically developed and produced by the biggest veterinary pharmaceutical companies in the world. So they have huge budgets to promote these products with uh, guarantees that fleas and ticks will be gone in 24 to 48 hours, etc. So obviously people that are concerned about that, especially if they personally have a flea bite sensitivity, for example, they're, they're willing to do this. The difficulty is that the newer products may not be safe. In fact, some of them are significantly harmful. Let me explain. About 20 years ago, DuPont, the famous pharmaceutical company, developed some products with a chemical formula of isoxazolines. I know that's a mouthful. Isoxazolines were developed as anti-thrombotic agents for people, in other words, like heparin to stop thrombosis or clotting, overactive clotting. And they did that by inhibiting a particular clotting factor. These were stopped for use in the market for humans because they caused excessive bleeding. So they were taken off the market for that purpose. However, it also turned out that this class of compounds killed fleas and ticks, primarily by paralyzing the nervous system of the insects. Now it also had, it did this by inhibiting GABA, capital G-A-B-A, -A, that chemical pathway. And um, it was more insect specific, but it also had some side effects for mammals, including people and pets. So merrily we go along here and these products were, were developed and identified as flea and tick preventives. They are now the largest moneymaker, as I said, for veterinary pharmaceutical companies. The problem is that the Food and, Food and Drug Administration and the European Medicines Agency in Europe commented that these products could be unsafe and that they have an adverse side effect of aggression, seizures, death, and bleeding in about five to 7% of animals that took them. However, we did a voluntary survey, a group of veterinarian statisticians and pathologists, including myself, non-paid, and we did a survey in 2018 for one month, and we got 2,751 responses. Two-thirds of those people used flea and tick preventatives, and two-thirds of them found severe adverse reactions, or significant adverse reactions. That was really worrisome. And it involved all the commercial products on the market still today, including the monthly products that are chewables or topicals, and a three-month product that's a chewable and topical. And in fact, the three-month product was the one causing most reactions. And that's probably not surprising because the pharmaceutical had its effect for longer than three months, uh, longer than a month. Now, they're supposed to be insect-specific, but we actually found that was not the case. These are not insect-specific. And so when two-thirds of the people um, develops, uh, their pets develop severe adverse reactions, including 15% of 
with seizures and death, that's totally unacceptable. So in the fall of 2018, the US FDA notified everybody that these products could cause adverse neurological effects, including aggression and seizures. Nobody paid any attention. Everybody ignored it. Our final paper documenting the effects that we found was published in July of this year after all the peer-reviewed prestigious veterinary journals in North America refused at the editorial level to review it because they were funded and sponsored by Big Pharma. So we were really in a dilemma. We had the, the New York Times and we had USA Today and all of these um, places who knew we'd done the survey waiting to publish the results and publicize them, which we couldn't do because you can't publish in a peer reviewed journal if it's already been revealed to the public. So we waited and we found wonderfully a highly refereed British journal that accepted our paper and after three reviewers, one of whom was removed actually as a reviewer because he, it was done anonymized. In other words, they got the paper to review without the authors that were involved, the names of us. And so the person said that obviously these people were pet nuts. They didn't know anything about anything and obviously none of them were scientists. So that particular person was removed from a reviewer. And thankfully, because you never say that, if you don't know who the authors are, you ask, could we find out more about the scientific qualifications of the authors without their names? Anyway, long story short, we published our stuff. So what do we know about? We know that the three month product um, has now recently introduced a one month product that they feel might be safer, which to me indicates that they're well aware that the three month product was potentially unsafe. So where are we with that? There's a class action lawsuit in Quebec going on in Canada because one of the dogs, a perfectly healthy boxer, received the three month product and within 48 hours died of acute liver necrosis. Now the um, necropsy of that pet, I got involved as an expert and I was asked to review why this animal had had liver failure and bled to death because I'm a bleeding expert, right? Turned out that when they first sent the body to one of the veterinary colleges to have a necropsy done, they didn't notice any product in the liver. Now this is a three month product and the dog had only had it for two days. So obviously it had to be there. So we got the samples returned to us and we submitted them to another veterinary college in Canada, and they found the product in the liver. Meanwhile, a chemist in Western Canada said that he's figured out from the chemical formula of isoxazolines why they do what they do. And interestingly enough, they work in the body by binding to body fat wherever it is, and particularly in the brain, because once the product gets into the brain, it can't get out, it passes the blood-brain barrier. So it stays in the brain. So he's a, a position that if we feed pets carefully, higher fat diets, if they've had these products and are having reactions, that it could displace the drug and helpfully help them. Uh, help them, hopefully help them, not helpfully help them. Anyway, so the point is that they get better uh, when the fat displaces the drug. So we're trying to do that now carefully with coconut oil, for example, from those animals that are affected. There's also a class action suit going on in New York City about the same three-month product, and there are 4,000 people 
in that class action suit that have um, identified adverse reactions. In the Canadian suit, of course, a smaller country, there are fewer, but the company tried to get the um, expert testimony, including my non-paid written testimony, thrown out. And the judge said, absolutely not. Everybody's piece of information, including all the class action complaints, are going to be included, and then we review everything. So those are in abeyance right now. Now, let me just tell you, in our own holistic clinic in Southern California, in the last six weeks, we have seen 12 adverse reactions to one of them, um, afoxalanor. We've seen three to the three-month product, fluoralanor. And we've seen two to the newer products that are on the market, laudalanor and serolanor. So clearly, people are being prescribed these products still, even though the veterinary profession has been warned that they could be unsafe. <coughs> Excuse me. So where are we? When we were in Europe last year, and we're not traveling these days anymore, I was invited in Milan to a dog uh, expo, and there were veterinarians there uh, helping the clients with their pets. And there were five veterinarians, and I went up to them because they were sitting outside um, in a, like a coffee area. And I said to them, what are you doing about the isoxazoline flea and tick uh, preventives and their adverse reactions? So they all looked struck dumb at me, my knowing that the European Medicines Agency had already recommended banning them in Europe. And they said, well, we don't know anything about it. So there was one shorter veterinarian at the table of these five. And he said, oh, come on, tell her the truth. Why are you pretending? You know perfectly well that the EMA has said these products aren't safe and we've chosen to still use them. Why is that? So the Taller, a taller guy says, well, obviously, because we make more money um, you know, prescribing them. So this is really shocking, frankly. Uh, so anyway, and in Brazil, they've been banned as well. So we have serious problems. So the bottom line of all of this is, what do we do if we can't use these products? And we're really concerned about heartworm disease, flea and tick, um, you know, exposure and uh, infestations. Well, we can use non chemical alternatives, like diatomaceous earth, human grade, like certain essential oils, uh, peppermint, for example, uh, would be one. Uh, neem, we can use neem. Um, the, uh, we can use uh, insects. We can use garlic in moderation. We can get rid of all of the debris and dust around our, especially in our yards, get rid of all the twigs and uh, high grasses and things where insects can hide. So we need to clean up our environment, keep our grass cut short, keep all our bushes and stuff trimmed, keep the dust away from the balconies or our um, outside barbecue tools or whatever, anywhere where fleas and ticks can tend to hide. So that's really important to do that. So we need to be um, active about keeping those pests down, using shampoos that are safe, flea and tick shampoos that are natural. And the more you bathe the dog and the more you use a flea comb, the more you're going to remove those um, insects and help do that, help prevent them. So there are products that are uh, commercially available that we uh, recommend. Uh, some of them, for example, would be made by the Bayer Aspirin Company. Um, there are different trade names. There's new products that are made on moxidectin. 
And moxidectin was that six month and 12 month product we used to have years ago that went off the market because it was unsafe. Well, it's back on the market again. And just yesterday, I got a picture of a Rottweiler cross that had been given two doses of uh, Saralaner uh, once a month and moxidectin. And that dog was totally wiped out. Pathetic look, hangdog look, scratching itself in intensely and rubbing its face. And so one of the things that these side effects do is they cause itching as well as nervous system changes and liver disease. So scratching and itching and chewing at the body are not unusual. And most people think that that's a food allergy or some kind of environmental pollution or whatever. And it can just be these products that have been put on top um, or in the food. So we need to be extremely careful. The bottom line of all of this is buyer beware. When new improved things become on the market, we need to be careful about whether we embrace them until we know at least a year later whether these products really are indeed safe. One of the newer versions of this product, Lotaliner, has been associated with a 20% liver failure and death rate. So we have to be extremely, this is not a small number. And you remember millions and millions of these products have been used. Doses will be given everywhere and so yes, um, over the overall millions, they're relatively safe. But we're talking about five to 20 to 50% of these animals having adverse effects. So you have to be careful and you have to watch for it. They even say that you can give it to eight week old puppies. There's a case of a, a Dutch shepherd in the Netherlands that was seven months old that was given this product, one of these products, and developed acute liver failure, vomiting and diarrhea, and then tremors and a wobbly ataxia. Fortunately, they helped add extra fat to the diet, and in 10 days, the animal recovered. Now that's thankful, that's good, but that dog will never, ever get any of these products again. So I think I've said enough about the risks involved. And for any of you that want to know more specifics, I don't like to use trade names for these things. You can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at hemopet, H-E-M-O-P-E-T dot org. And in the subject line, ask for more information about flea and tick preventives. And I'll be happy to share with you the refereed published um, papers that document what we've talked about today. Thank you very much. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.